This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. Well, good morning. How are you guys doing today? Thank you. Thank you. Well, I just want to say welcome to Coastal Community Church. My name is Shayla, and I am Pastor TJ's wife, and I am just excited to get to share with you guys this morning. I'm a little nervous about all this right here. That's why I wore flat shoes, because I did not want to trip and fall face first onto the floor, and it be the best service there ever was. So anyways, I just want to talk to you guys this morning about finding freedom. And we've been in this series called Too Many Shades of Grey, where we've just been talking about the different shady areas of our life and things that kind of take us captive and decisions that we make and addictions that we have in our life. TJ talked about that the first weekend, and just how to break that power of addiction in our life. And then Pastor Terry talked about sexual sin and sexual things that kind of grab hold of us and that we need to break free of. And then last week, TJ talked about just our past, letting go of our past and just finding something new to look forward to and to to let go of the old things that have happened to us and not allow them to hold us captive anymore, but walk into something new and different in our life. And this morning, I'm excited to talk to you guys about freedom and finding freedom in our life from, from the bondage and the things that kind of wrap us up. And as I was thinking about this message, I was thinking back when I was little, and I'm the oldest of six kids. And When we were younger, my parents, we had a boat and we lived on the river and every single weekend we would be out and we would go water skiing. And um, my dad, one weekend, forgot, how many of you guys know when you have a boat, there's like this plug that goes in the boat that kind of keeps water from, you know, coming in the boat. And then when you take the boat out of the water, you take the plug out and it kind of flushes everything out of the boat that's kind of gotten the boat while you're there. Well, I was always paranoid about having this plug in because I was scared that something's going to happen. Dad's going to forget the plug and we're all going to die and drown and we're going to get eaten by alligators and like this terrible scenario in my head. And so we go out and we got the boat loaded down with stuff and we're getting ready and and we're going out. We got our skis and all that stuff and, and we get pretty far down the river and we realize there's water coming in the boat. And so... I was like, Dad, Dad, did you put the plug in? Did you put the plug in? And all of a sudden, he realizes he did not put the plug in the boat. So pretty much, we're taking on all this water, and and I'm this, you know, the oldest of six kids. I'm like this motherly type that's paranoid about everything, and so I start freaking out. I'm like, Dad, we're going to die. The boat's going to go down, and then I'm going to get eaten by an alligator, and I just don't know. I can't die. I'm only 12 years old, and I'm just like going on and on and on. Meanwhile, I'm thinking every single weekend, I jump into this water, apparently infested with alligators, and I don't die. And so I'm kind of like, whatever, I'm going to die if this boat sinks. And so we get all the way home. We have to turn around, go all the way back home, pull the boat out of the water, let all the water drain out, and we're safe. And my dad's like, okay, we're not going back out. That was enough. You, you know, scared the crap out of me with all of your nagging. So we're not going back out again. And so... I started thinking about that story and just how many times in life there's one mistake we make or one choice that we make, and it leads us down this path where, you know, bad things can happen. And so I actually, I want Amanda to come out here for a second. She's kind of going to be my assistant here. Give it up for Amanda. Woo! 
Well, I, I started thinking just about bondage and things that happen in our life. And sometimes things happen to us, and it might only be one time. And, and consider this bondage in your life or things that are happening to you. So something happens, like let's say maybe we smoke a cigarette, you know, every time we go out and just hang out with friends. And we smoke a cigarette, and it's just one time, and it's just every now and then. And so we get all, you know, we tied up. And that's just easy. You know, hold on to your bondage there. Okay. So just, you know, just one thing. It's not going to hurt. It's just not going to hurt. And when that one thing happens to us, it's easy to break free when just one thing happens. Can you break free? Yeah. <laughs> Woo! You go, girl. You go. Workout. <laughs> And so sometimes these things begin to happen, and sometimes it's, it's just one thing. And that one thing doesn't hurt us. But you know what? Sometimes that one thing leads to, you know what? I smoked one cigarette, but, you know, I'm going out again, and maybe it's just, it's just a pack a week now. You know what? It's okay. I got this under control. I, I'm fine. I don't have to worry about this. You know, maybe it's just a lunch out with a coworker of the opposite sex. And you know what? We're just going out and it's all business. It's, it's all good. It's all business. So I don't really have to worry about anything happening because I know my heart. And you know what? She only talks about her marriage every now and then, the things that she's going through. And so, you know what? It's okay. And slowly we just begin to wrap ourselves. And next thing you know, that pack of cigarettes turns into a pack of cigarettes a day. And then that business lunch starts turning into a weekly date. And every week we're going out and we're talking about things. And you know what, then that lunch maybe turns into, you know what, I have to go on a business trip with this person. And it's okay, because you know what, we're just friends. And we begin to wrap ourselves all up in this bondage and we continue to tell ourselves that it's okay. And the more wrapped up we get, the harder it is to break free, because I guarantee you, Amanda can't break out of this now, no matter how strong she is. You know what? And there's things and there's choices in life that start out innocent. You know what? There's things that maybe start out with something that someone did to us that we didn't deserve, but we continue to hold on to that, and we continue to allow it to dictate our decisions and dictate how we communicate with other people because of what someone did to us. And we continually get wrapped up in this bondage that is holding us so tight that we can't break free out of it. And it, was, it started off with something so innocent. And it happens all of the time in our life. Just tuck that in there for a second. You can stay there. <laughs> but things start off small and they grow into something that's got us so much in bondage that there is no way that we can break out of it. Thank you, Amanda. You can go and take that with you. <laughs> How many of you guys have been watching the Bible series on TV? So many people. Okay, I have had so many conversations with people about this Bible series. Not just one person, but several people have come up to me and been like, oh my gosh, this Bible series is awesome. Can you believe all of this stuff happened? I mean, that's insane that all of this stuff is going on. And I'm like, do you read your Bible? Because, you know, last time I read, those things were in there. But sometimes when you see them, it's just like, oh my gosh, this stuff is scandalous. You know, it's like there's controversy happening all over the place. And you know what? That's the thing about the Bible. It is full 
of controversy and scandal and murder and all of these different types of things. And we look at the Bible like that's that boring old book that everybody tells me to read and it's just kind of a, a rules thing. I'm supposed to do this and it's supposed to do something in my life, but I've never experienced that. And I think we don't look at it in the right way, but there's some pretty amazing truths in the Bible that can begin to transform our life. Because these people that we're seeing on the Bible series and that we're, we read in our Bibles, those were real people. People that's, that's lives were, were transformed. People that were more jacked up than you could ever be. And God is using them to do something incredible. And there's a story in, in the book of Matthew. And before I get there, I want to talk about how many of you guys know what the Pharisees are? Everybody's heard of the Pharisees. These are guys that pretty much are like the religious leaders of the day, and they're like always by the book, by the law. And basically, I think what their, what their one motivation is, is to point out sinners and to be like, you're doing something wrong, and you're doing something wrong, and make themselves look better. And, and basically, condemning people is part of their daily routine. They've kind of made, made their career out of ridiculing broken people. And these are supposed to be like the, the religious leaders, the church leaders of the time. And I think they consider their like aloofness of sinners to, be, to make them holy. And so basically the Pharisees are around pointing out everybody's sins. And then Jesus comes along and he's hanging out with all the sinners. And so they're going, something isn't right here. I don't, I mean... Jesus is walking over here befriending people and the people that they're condemning. And so Matthew is a tax collector. And basically tax collectors back in the day, they were like hated, hated people. Like the worst of the worst kind of sinners because they were stealing from everyone. So the tax collectors back, in the, well, probably even now too because tax season's coming up pretty soon. But <laughs> um, the tax collectors basically back in the day were the worst of the worst. And so Matthew, one day, is just sitting at, like, his tax booth, and Jesus is going about his business, and he's, he's doing his ministry, and he walks by, and he notices Matthew. And he says, hey, Matthew, maybe he didn't say Matthew, but he said, come follow me. And you know what Matthew did? He got up, and he began to follow Jesus. And here's what I don't get. This is the worst of the worst kind of sinner. And this is Jesus. He doesn't know this guy. And he walks over and he says, hey, you, come on, follow me. And the guy gets up and he goes. Now, why is he following after him? Because all the other religious people are pointing out sins. It's because he saw who Jesus hung out with. He saw the kind of character that Jesus had. And I think some of us have, as Christians, we're walking around and there's people that you wouldn't like to invite or you would like to talk to, and, and you would go up to them and say, hey, why don't you come to church with me? And they'd be like, you're crazy. And I think we just need to look at our life and say, what, kind, what are we projecting to other people? But that's not my point. <laughs> so here's what happens is, is Matthew follows Jesus, and then later on in the story, Matthew says to Jesus, hey Jesus, why don't you come over to my house for a dinner party? And Matthew invites all of his sinner friends, like the tax collectors and the worst of the worst kind of people, over to this party with Jesus. And Jesus is like, party? I'll be there. I will come hang out with you and all your jacked up friends. I will be there. And so he goes and he brings his disciples and they're going into this house to hang out with all of these messed up people. And the Pharisees look at them and they say, 
he pulls, they pull aside one of, one of the disciples and they say this, why does your teacher eat with such scum? And these are the religious leaders of the time and they're asking, they're asking his disciples, why would you even eat with these people? And Jesus goes on to say this in Matthew 9, 12 through 13. When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifice. He's saying, I want you to show mercy on these people, not tell me all the things that you're doing right and they're doing wrong. I want you to show mercy on them. And then he goes on to say, for I have come to call not those who think that they are righteous, but those who know that they're sinners. And today, I want to tell you guys, let's be that person that knows we're a sinner. And this morning, my first point is the first thing that we have to do to find freedom in our life is admit that we're in bondage. Because we all have things in our life, we all have things that, that weigh us down, that distract us. In 1 John 1.8, it says, if we claim we have no sin, we are fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. It's saying, look, if you think you're the kind of person that doesn't have anything wrong in your life and you're not dealing with anything, you are fooling yourself. Because we all have bondage in our life and it's time to stop living in denial of saying, you know what, there's nothing wrong with me. That thing that my dad did to me when I was younger, you know what, that's not, that's not bothering me. Or that decision that I made to, to go out and to smoke those cigarettes or to get drunk, you know what, that's, that's not bothering me. And we continue to kind of push down those things when we just need to accept the fact that we are dealing with things in our life that are holding us in bondage. And it's time to quit denying those things and living in status quo. Because the more we do that, the deeper and the stronger that bondage gets in our life. You know, and I think if we would all just get real with ourselves today and accept the fact that we're sinners. Because Jesus is saying, you know what, I didn't come for anybody else except those that know that they're jacked up. Those that know that they're messed up. So why would we try to continue to act like we're perfect and act like we have our life together when God's saying, look, I just want you to be real with me. I just want you to know that, that you're messed up and I know that and it's okay. You know, and the best place to start, once we've admitted this bondage, the best place to start into getting out of that is to acknowledge that we need other people in our life. And you know, we harp on this all the time because we know the importance of having other people in our life to help us walk this journey. You know, I don't think freedom has never come without a battle. And battles are not fought alone. And there's some of you guys out there that have been fighting and fighting and fighting and you've been doing it alone and you need to have somebody else help you along in your battle. You know, when, when I was in high school, I played basketball. And before high school, I had only played like the pickup games in your front yard, like course and, you know, one-on-one -on -one with my dad or something. And so when I was a freshman, I decided I'm going to go try out for the basketball team. And I tell my dad, I'm like, Dad, I'm going to try out. And he's like, you are? And I was like, oh, I'm not good, huh, you know? <laughs> and so I go and I make the team. But see, the only thing that I know about basketball is just score, 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 score. And so I end up being like that ball hog that everybody hates, you know? So I'm like, 
constantly hogging the ball, trying to score, trying to win the game, and it's all about me, 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 and trying to win. And there comes a point when I realize, wait a minute, I need to include my team if we're going to win these games. And so I decide I'm going to be the scrapper. I'm going to be that person that is on the floor going after every loose ball because if we don't have the ball, we can't win the game. And so my sophomore year, I get moved up to the varsity team. And I realize that there's a lot of girls that are better than I am, so I better fight my way in. And so every single game, if there was a loose ball, I was there. And it ended up my parents used to have to, they had to buy me elbow pads and knee pads because I would go to the doctor with chipped bones in my elbows and all this kind of stuff because I was like diving on the floor after every loose ball. I actually have a picture of my senior basketball team. Let me see if you guys can guess which one's me. Which one? The one with the big black eye right in the center, number 14. That's me. That's the kind of game I played where I got black eyes all the time. I had chipped bones, all of that kind of stuff. And if you think that looks bad, you should see the other girl. (laughs) I was a fighter. And you know what? I think some of us in life need to recognize that we don't have to do things alone and we need someone to fight for us. We need somebody to grab the ball back and put it back in our court and allow us to do something with it. And for too long, we've been trying to do things on our own. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. That means you are better with other people. You are stronger with other people. If you try to do it alone, what you try to do in your own strength begins to break and it begins to fall apart and you begin to to crumble because you can't do it in your own strength. We need other people. Proverbs 18.2 says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desires. He breaks out against all sound judgment. You know, when we try to isolate ourselves, when we try to tell ourselves that we're not dealing with anything, that we're not walking through anything, that we don't need other people to kind of help us along on that journey, then we lose. Because TJ keeps talking about the verse in the Bible that says, when you confess your sins one to another, it brings healing to our life. And I don't know about you guys, but have you ever talked to a friend about something that's going on in your life, and after you have that conversation, you just feel so much better because you're not carrying the weight of those things anymore. And I think we need to learn how to acknowledge that we need other people in our life. You know, I have gone through so many hard times in my life from from rape to to death to watching people in my family die of, of drug overdoses. There's been so many things that have happened in my life that if I would have tried to face it alone, I would have failed. And the same thing with with other people is I've been able to help pick people up out of their pit because of the things that I've experienced. You know, when when I before I was with TJ, I was I had dated this guy for like four years. It was a pretty serious relationship and but it was really mentally abuse, abusive, verbally abusive. And I knew that it wasn't the relationship that I needed to be in, but I continued because I didn't know how to get out. And I remember there being one day when I was like, I can't do this anymore. I had 
tried to fight on my own, and I was like, I can't do it. And so I remember calling up my best friend at the time, and I said, hey, I'm about to let this guy go because I can't continue to do this anymore. I can't continue to look at myself the way I'm looking at myself, but I need your help. I said, when I, when I leave this guy, I need you to be there when I need to pick up the phone at 12 o'clock at night and I need to call somebody and say I'm breaking down. Or I need you to be there when I feel the need to, to go over there or whatever. I need to be able to call you and come over. And you know what, the only thing that got me through that situation was knowing that I could make a phone call to somebody that cared about me and was gonna keep me from making the wrong decision. And my life, I believe, could have been completely different if I didn't include someone else in the process. Because I would not be who I am today if I wouldn't have made those choices to include someone else in my life. My life would be miserable because I know where that guy is today. And I'll tell you, my life would be miserable. See, not the only thing that we need to recognize is that other people strengthen us. Other people help us. Now, not any people, but the right people. You have to have the right people into your life to encourage you. And the next thing that we need to do is we, we need to accept that we need God. We need God in that process. In Matthew 9, 13, it says, For I have come not to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they're sinners. And see, we can either pretend that we don't need God or we can acknowledge that we do. And you know what? There's so many times when we think we're so righteous and we think we have it all together and we think our life is going good and we think we can handle it on our own and we pretend like we don't need to include God in that. So we can either pretend we don't need God or we can acknowledge that we do and we can accept the love of a father, the love of a savior, you know, if Jesus could say one thing about what's happening in your gray area of life, if he could say one thing about the mistake that you continue to make, what would it be? For some of you guys, it might be, it's probably something negative. It's probably like you've had this anger problem for how long and you keep yelling at your kids and you keep saying you won't. When is that going to change? Or you said you weren't going to talk to that guy again and you continue to do it. When are you ever going to get out of that cycle? Or maybe for some of you, it's you went to that website again and you keep saying you're going to get yourself out of that. When are you going to change? And I think we look at God and we think that he's just sitting there pointing out all of our faults and saying, you keep falling, you keep falling, you keep falling. When are you going to get up and stay up? And that is not God at all. Because I think if Jesus could say one thing to us, it would be, I love you. I love you in spite of those things. You see, Jesus came to reveal a God who defines us not by our actions, but by his love. By his love for us. In Romans 5, 8, it says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, Jesus loves us right where we are. He's not yelling us to get out of our pit and get all cleaned up so that we can be worthy of what he wants to do in our life. He is wading in waist deep to our situation, to our pain, to our hurt, to, to our issues. And he's saying, I want to bring you out. I want to be there. You don't have to do this alone. See, he's not standing up there yelling at us. He's wading in and saying, while you were yet sinners, I did something for you. 
while you are still in your pain, while you are still in your hurt, I love you. And Jesus sees our mess and our mistakes so much clearer than anyone else, but yet he loves us more than anyone else. And he's not going to write you off just because you looked at a bad website or because maybe you had an abortion. He loves you just the way you are. Now, he, he hates the sin that's in our life. He doesn't like it. Why? Because it is destroying us. It's destroying us, and he hates that. But I think it makes him that much more determined to rescue us. It makes him that much more determined to bring us out of the things that we're in and release that bondage that's in our life. Have you guys ever been to a t-ball game, like a toddler t-ball game? A lot of fun, let me just tell you right now. Well, I used to go to sporting events with TJ, like we'd go watch my brother play hockey or whatever, and I realized real quick I didn't want TJ coming to any family sporting events with me. Because it took one hockey game with my brother, and he's like, hit him, hit him, screaming from the stands. And I was like, I was so embarrassed. I was like, TJ, you, you can't, these are kids. Like, you can't be yelling to kill them and stuff. And so I decide I'm not taking TJ to any family sporting events with me. So I go to my nephew's t-ball game. And he's probably about five at the time. And... <laughs> T-ball games with kids, like they're just standing up there and you know the ball is just sitting on the tee. And they're just sitting there and the ball's still there and they're just. And they're just swinging and swinging and swinging it. And okay, I'm watching this kid and by the eighth time, I'm like, this kid's out! Come on! You know, and I feel myself going to like TJ level and I'm like, I. I don't know what to do. So I'm, I'm like standing there. I'm like, come on. Haven't you seen? He swung the bat like eight times and he's still standing there. And so finally this kid hits halfway down the tee and the ball falls off. And his co- I don't remember the kid's name, but his coach starts yelling, run, Johnny, run. And so the little kid, you know, he's running along. And I think so many times, that's how our life, that's what God is looking at us. Everybody else has written us off. Everybody else has said, you know what, you made that mistake 27 times. You're out. And God's standing there, picking the ball back up and putting it on the tee and saying, swing again. Swing again. Because everybody else can look at us and can write us off, but God's saying, he's out when I say he's out. And some of you guys have been dealing with stuff for so long and you've been swinging and swinging and swinging. You've been trying so hard and everybody else is looking at you and they've written you off or you've written yourself off. You've said, I I can't get over this. I can't get past this. And God is saying, it is not over until I say it's over. And you can do this. You know, Jesus came to bring freedom to our life. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.17, Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And some of you guys need to recognize this morning that you have that freedom in your life. 
You have a God that loves you, that cares about you, that wants so much for your life. And you need to realize that you don't have to have everything cleaned up and perfect in order to begin your journey of freedom. You see, Jesus isn't interested in condemning our past. He's not interested in condemning the things that we've done before. What he wants to do is rescue our future. And today, you guys need to stop worrying about what's happening in your life and you need to engage in relationships. And you need to recognize that there is a God that loves you more than anything that is wading down into your muck and trying to pull you out and saying, I believe in you. And he's putting that ball back on the tee and he's putting the bat back in your hand and he's saying, swing again. And see, the thing about freedom is, is that it doesn't come without a price. But you know what? A long time ago, there was a Savior that loved you so much that he paid that price of freedom. And Jesus already paid that for our life. He endured something that he did not even deserve to give us something that we don't deserve, and that's freedom. See, we live in bondage every single day when our freedom has already been paid. And what I want you guys to understand today is just the gist of Romans 5, 8. Again, but God shows his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I want you guys to recognize this morning that if there are things that you're dealing with, if there are things that you're holding on to, if there's things that have you in bondage that you feel so tied up to, that today's the day to allow God to come in and bring that freedom that he wants to bring to your life. If you guys will just bow your heads with me this morning. This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv.